We've always believed in something called progress. It's time to get lit. What kind of lit? Health lit. That's what I'm talking about. It's time to get educated about health conditions affecting our community. Your health is very important. Check in with experts on important topics like breast cancer, diabetes, prematurity, and much more. This show is lit. No one should know you better than you. So lock in. Welcome to Your Health is Lit. Hi guys, welcome to the Your Health is Lit podcast. I'm Charlotte Walker, aka the PDMP. And I'm Donna Williams, aka the Public Health Queen. And this is our first official weekly podcast. I'm so excited that we are launching today. We've had so many great segments and had so many people on to do recorded segments with us. Um, but as we go into 2019, we're just kind of switching up how we do things here at Your Health is Lit. So we'll still have the recorded videos and have guest speakers on um, probably about once or twice a month is our goal. But we definitely are going to be doing this weekly podcast. And we have some really, really hot segments for you guys. Donna, do you want to talk a little bit about our segments? Yes. So one of our segments is going to be Lit News. So during that segment, we're just going to talk about what is happening in the news regarding health. Yep. And then um, every month we will have a focus. So this month, our focus is diabetes. It's Diabetes Awareness Month. So we will just be talking about different aspects of our main focus. Today, we're going to be talking about pre-diabetes and what that means and what that looks like. Um, then also, we're going to have our health wins, where we highlight somebody in the community, something that happened, a personal victory in health, because we always have to celebrate things. And then we will close out with questions. You guys can always email us questions at admin at yourhealthislit.com. That's A-D-M-I-N at yourhealthislit.com. And we will answer your questions on the podcast. Um, we'll talk about different experiences and health learning this week. So anything that you've learned or we've learned um, during our practice this week. So we are really, really excited to be able to bring you guys some hot stuff every week going to be a super lit segment. I'm so excited. Okay, lit news. Do we need like a like a fancy like news like song to go and like that's ESPN. That's ESPN. That's not even like a breaking news sound. All right. So we have some stories that we have found this week that have been really, really interesting. Um, and we're just going to have to chat about them because the first story that I have, I think it definitely made me like go, what? Um, so everybody knows I work pediatrics, right? So hence the PDMP. So I can just go ahead and guarantee y'all. Most of my stories probably going to be about kids, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Um, this week I saw a very interesting article as I was scrolling along my Facebook timeline that the American Academy of Pediatrics, which for like pediatricians and pediatric nurse practitioners, they're like the law. Like, you know, we do everything based off of AAP guidelines. Um, but they advise against spanking. Like came out flat out and was like, nope, it's bad. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Like, it's, I was like, oh, okay. So the article said that um, research has shown that striking a child, yelling at 
or shaming them can elevate stress hormones and lead to changes in the brain's architecture. Um, that it can cause like mental health problems in preteens and adolescents. And they advise that families come up with more effective discipline plans um, to help everybody maintain calm and controlled demeanor. Um, I got spanked, so. I feel like it's such a personal thing. First of all, the people that I see in clinic, parents are going to do what they want to do, right? So even if they're like, don't spank your kids. Now, I do think there's a fine line between spanking and you beating your kid, like you beating them to the point we need to call somebody because that's like, that's different. I do not condone physical, verbal, mental, or emotional abuse of children because they're freaking kids. Um, But every now and then you got to get a little pop out. Yeah, I definitely believe in a little pops, but not going like overboard, like getting like belts, suspension cords, things of that nature. Oh, Lord, any extension cords? Yeah, but I mean, the Bible say, and that's how I pretty much live my life, you spare the rod, you spoil the child. So, I don't really know, AP. Now, Work me, work me is gonna let parents know that we come up with effective discipline plans, and this is what I think we should do. But I also think that part of this stuff, like part of this, you have to be realistic. Like when you're talking to these parents, like I know good and well that if they are, they can be like, mm-hmm, and they're gonna go home and spank that child if that child needs to be spanked. <laughs> so I always make sure that I discuss, you know, like whatever form of punishment that you decide to use, make sure that you know when you're disciplining your child take your emotion out of it because they've ticked you off and now you just want to beat the sleeves off of them yeah. uh yeah like take everybody take some time to take a, a cool down real quick and then if you still feel like what they did they deserve to be spanked then do you but definitely like the violent outbursts of like you know you're mad or the kid you're frustrated mm-hmm. and so now you just want to take your frustration out on this on this tiny human that's not no yeah I don't know how I feel about this one about not spanking my kids yeah my kids are gonna get that pal. like I will have that pow pow handy I threaten my nieces and nephew all the time. <laughs> like, like levels like, like did you hear what TT said okay do you want time now okay you playing because I'm about to uppercut you and those like those are the levels <laughs> those are the levels <laughs> we escalate real quick like do you like do you hear me repeat back what I said do you understand right okay cool we on the same level then it's like okay you on the time out because I'm done talking to you and then if you still cutting up you about to catch these hands I don't really know how <laughs> to deal with you there's levels to this. Yeah, I'm going to need some more research on this article and some more, like, statistics, and I'm going to have to see some more stuff for this. They said that they did the research over, um, they said in one study, young children who were spanked more than twice a month at age three were more aggressive at age five. And those same children at age nine still exhibited negative behaviors and lower receptive vocabulary scores. Hmm. I'm still spanking my kids. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like I mean, I got spanked that I'm quite all right. Like I don't, and man, like reading the comments on Facebook, like people were like, 
I got spanked. Everybody's like, I got spanked and I'm fine. I got spanked and I'm fine. <laughs> I mean, I will agree that there are some kids where spanking doesn't work for them. Like, my mom knew um, the way, like, to punish me was I couldn't watch wrestling. Mm-hmm. And I would, that, oh, oh, God. I'm like, no, mom, please. <laughs> anything but that whoop me please like I would I would be like whoop me instead as long as I can watch wrestling tonight I did like I legit my mom like nope you in trouble trouble you ain't watching no wrestling I'm like please just whoop me instead (laughs) please nope the answer is no yeah man I'm interested to see what our listeners you guys let us know Give us your feedback. Email us at info at yourhealthislit.com or post in the group. Hashtag, I'm still spanking my kids. <laughs> so the question is, are you still spanking or no? Are you still spanking or not? The question is, what do you think about the new recommendation? Do you feel like spanking your kids has a negative or positive um, approach? And if you don't spank your kids, what techniques have you found that worked? Let's let's discuss this. I'm ready for it. Hashtag your health is lit spanking. <laughs> so next lit news is gonna be an article that I found regarding breast cancer, breastfeeding. Um, so docs failed to tell new moms breastfeeding can reduce cancer risk. So few women report being told by their obstetrician that prolonged breastfeeding from 6 to 12 months can reduce their risk of getting breast cancer, according to a study um, from Breastfeeding Medicine. Um, So we all know that African-American women um, have a higher chance of dying from breast cancer than white women. And it says a chance of 30 to 40%, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, that's insane. So when you're going to your primary care physician office, are you asking them questions? But my thing is, why aren't the doctors letting us know this? If they know this information is right. So here's my thing, and here's what I've noticed, and I love, I hope you know, but like, I don't want any OBGYN clap back from this. Mm-hmm. First off, I really have found that, especially when it comes to OBGYNs, because you know, around a newborn nursery, mm-hmm. they are so focused, like hyper-focused on you and this human growing inside of you. That there's a lot of stuff that I wish that they would educate these people on that they don't, right? Like, mm-hmm. even immunizations, like, we talk about how the immunization talk should happen at the OBGYN appointment because babies, before they leave the hospital, get their first dose of hepatitis B. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason we do that, there's, like, a small window. Like, let's say you last got, you know, checked for hep B at eight to 20-some weeks. I don't know because I'm not an OBGYN. Mm-hmm. at 20 some weeks halfway through your pregnancy there's a small window in there from the last time you tested negative to where you could potentially test positive and the baby be infected mm-hmm. that we go ahead and give the hep B right within those first two days and that's why we do it not just because we like sticking babies don't we want to stick your baby 
Exactly. But to protect them in the event that for some reason your um, hepatitis B comes back positive, now the baby's been lingering positive all this time, but you give them the immunization and their body can fight it. So there are so many people that are like, wait, my baby has to get a shot before they go home? Mm-hmm. That if the OBs would just be like, here's what to expect. Your yeah. baby's going to get, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But yeah. I think they're so hyper-focused on getting you through this pregnancy and delivering this baby that they don't think to talk about breastfeeding. A lot of these moms, like, you want to breastfeed a bottle feed? I don't know. And I'm almost wondering why don't they have someone come in and talk about breastfeeding or the, talking about breastfeeding should be done while they're throughout their pregnancy, while they're going to their OBGYN. Mm-hmm. Because just reading the article, it says there are there is some new data that shows that breastfeeding appears to lower the risk of developing triple negative breast cancer. Yeah. Yeah. So and it has and we already talked about, you know, remember when we had the conversation with Eve, mm-hmm. we are, there's so many positives like weight loss for the mom, um, bonding with the baby. Mm -hmm. um the you know the immunity effects that breastfeeding has there's so many positive effects the rest it's economic like it's it's economically friendly it's free it comes out your boobs Mm -hmm. like you're not paying for the breast exactly i would rather breast breastfeed yeah to be buying like formula yeah like you just gotta whip that thing out and feed the baby. Like you don't have to warm up no bottles. Okay. It's like <laughs> Unless you pump it. it's so expensive. And then what was mind blowing to me is that they did a survey of new mothers to find out like how many of them were actually informed about the um benefits of breastfeeding. Uh-huh. And it revealed none of them had received the information from their healthcare providers. Girl, because I really think I don't mean like I don't mean this in a bad way um this past week I actually did my first prenatal consult mm-hmm. which was like the first time that I had that happen since I started at my new um, place of employment where because we're uh, a medical home so we have adults peds OB all every service that the people in our community need we have it and so they called me and said can you do a prenatal consult and I was like yeah whatever that is so they come and the lady literally she's been about 15 minutes with me Mm-hmm. I kind of talked with her about what to expect, but I could just tell she was so overwhelmed. I said, you look really overwhelmed. And she said, I am. <laughs> but even talking about like, are you going to breast or bottle feed? She's like, I haven't made my decision. And so we went into why breastfeeding is important. And I talked mm-hmm. to her about, you know, you'll probably see me, myself, or my counterparts, because I round in the newborn nursery. You know, we'll see you and we'll be there for the first, you know, 24, 72 hours, depending as long as everything goes well. And she just seems so overwhelmed yeah you know women with pregnancy brain they don't always remember every yeah. everything so I definitely think that you know it's important to have like lactation consultants at the OB office because when they come in they can kind of talk and like I wonder if they could have like a little course that went along and coincided with their pregnancy about breastfeeding there's so many things that I can't do in a matter of me like rounding in the nursery um, lactation in the hospital they come like maybe you know once or twice um, but it's not that long standing like every week let me talk to you and show you and tell you different things to breastfeed your baby so that's really sad that's something we need to like is. push it's for true. man definitely we need to push for and as healthcare professionals I think we should always want to educate our patients when we find out information that could mm-hmm. possibly 
stayed alive from breast cancer. Right. And it's, uh, there's so many positives in this story, right? Like you're breastfeeding your baby. That's great because there's so many positive health benefits. Yeah. There's so many benefits for you in regards to bonding, economical benefits. And yeah. now even like, you know, breast, um, breastfeeding can reduce the risk of breast cancer. Exactly. So this is our memo. This is our announcement, our PSA. If you know somebody that is pregnant, thinking about getting pregnant, let them know like, hey, you know, breastfeeding can help decrease your risk of breast cancer. Now, here's the thing. I have found so many moms and a lot of them are us. Like, girl, I ain't doing that. That's nasty. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lord. Oh, Jesus. So maybe, you know, even if we can come up with some better you know, education and more facts because breastfeeding can be really hard work, especially if you have, you know, difficulties. It's something that you have to stick with, but it's, it's doable. My sister, my, my sister breastfed all of her kids and is currently breastfeeding my new niece. And she is a full career, works, goes to school. My nieces and nephews are active in sports and she still can breastfeed her baby. So it's really, you have to have your mind made up and your mind set to do it. And I think if we can have more outlets in the communities for these moms, that they would do it. I agree. This was a good story. It was a good story. So my last story is um, a story that I found that was really interesting. So a lot of times, you know, African-Americans are like, we're like, oh, you get, we get screened for different things earlier than our white counterparts. So I found a story that said that a higher risk of colorectal cancer in African-Americans is not related to biology. Um, so basically, the research study, they took 300,000 men and women um, that were asymptomatic. So they had no symptoms at all, just 300,000 people who volunteered for this research study, um, and they showed that there was no difference between Black and white Americans in the prevalence of advanced precancerous polyps, um, including advanced, um, like, cancer symptoms in the colon. So the reason this is interesting that there were no difference is that um, colorectal cancer screenings in Blacks starts 10 years earlier than other individuals. So African-American patients are told to come in and get screened at 40. Mm-hmm. And um, our white counterparts are told to come in at 50, 45, 50. That's interesting. Yeah. So right now, it's not changing any of the recommendations. And, you know, they're urging healthcare professionals to, like, have your patients get screened on the, you know, patient-to-patient basis. I absolutely believe that the screenings are necessary. But but now I'm like, why do we have this outrageous rate of colorectal screening? Is it because or colorectal cancer? Is it because we're not getting screened at all? And that's why you know, like now I'm like, well, if it's not a biological thing, what what the heck? Well, I know like working um at my job and when we're doing like our preventative measures and making sure that our patients have done like their annual screenings I find like a lot of um my patients won't do like their colonoscopy Mm -hmm. they don't want to do it they won't do the um the fecal um occult stool test that we mail them they just won't do it like I had 
this one patient, he was just flat out and he was the African-American. He was flat out saying, I'm not doing it. Like he would not go get a colonoscopy. Like we tried to like make him, make him, he wouldn't go get it. And it turned out that um, he ended up getting colon cancer. Oh, wow. But you know what it is? I feel like a lot of it, especially with black men, is like the stigma of having something <laughs> inserted into your behind. Yeah. Like, come on, bro. Like, you, your life ain't worth more than that. <laughs> like, you out here playing with cancer because, oh, I'm ain't going to my life. Shut up and go get some cold rackless and done. <laughs> because now you may have to get your colon removed and have to have an ostomy bag and now you're going to have poop on the outside of your body. And Is I it worth it? are no fun and I just like too like us as women like we get our screens are a lot more invasive like I feel like men are like I don't want a prostate check I don't want a colorectal screen they throw us up in stirrups honey <laughs> and they got that little ducklet thing and like come on speculate like come on now come on no no we don't want to hear that people be putting their hands every which in every which orifice like we don't want to hear none of that Go get your screenings done, sir. Please get your screenings done. Please, man. <laughs> so, to be continued, I'm interested to see what comes up out of this story. Definitely, um, colorectal cancer is really, really big. And it's something that's ran a lot in my family. Um, like, my dad had polyps that he had to have removed. Um, and so, he has to go every so often um, to get his colonoscopy done. And my dad is the manliest man that I know. <laughs> <laughs> like but he goes and he gets it done because we've had several family members particularly males on his side of the family who died of colon cancer sometimes you gotta suck it up <laughs> literally <laughs> and take it <laughs> like, it does not make you less manly because you go and get your prostate checked or you go and get your you know your colonoscopy like we have to come out of that that's the devil like no no there's no way for you to tell you know even even like we have the occult stool thing like no like oh, i ain't messing with my poop it's yours exactly. let's it in y'all yeah, making this deep feel sorry for the person you literally package right. it and send it <laughs> Exactly. We feel sorry for the person that got to deal with it at the lab because it's been a couple days. <laughs> Girl, I cannot. I cannot. Oh my gosh. Oh man, lit news. Lit news. That was awesome. Awesome. Thank you for that story. Okay, so we are moving on and we are going to shift our focus to diabetes. Um, it's Diabetes Awareness Month. And diabetes has affected my family a lot. Wow. A lot. Um, my grandmother, my Gigi, had diabetes. Mm -hmm. uh, my mom has diabetes. Um, my aunt um, passed away in 2017 from some complications with diabetes. Mm -hmm. um, so I really, and then I have another aunt of mine who also she has diabetes um she makes the best food <laughs> that's a side note like my auntie will cook like honey, i will fly all the way back to st louis for my auntie to cook but honey honey everybody like oh you used to live in st louis how is sweetie pie i'm like my auntie cooked better thank you 
<laughs> um, but I've had a lot of family members that have um, diabetes and I do a lot of diabetes education with them. Mm. Um, my aunt is doing really well. I love her so much. And I always have to tell her, like, don't have, let me find out you out here eating. Okay, Kate. <laughs> let me find out I'm gonna come get you girl um I think the biggest thing that I found with patients or people in general like they don't understand that diabetes is like serious yep do you find that when you're talking to patients listen like I deal with four chronic conditions that work the most COPD congestive heart failure CKD and diabetes a lot and a lot of my patients are non-compliant. I always see my patients are going into the hospital related to um, diabetes complications, such as having to get toes amputated, um, blood sugar is through the roof. I, I see a lot with diabetes. And I think it's more of that people really don't know how serious it is and they don't understand how different things can affect your diabetes. Like your dieting is the major part. And I ran into, I, what I run into a lot is a lot of my patients, they are not eating properly. They're not checking their blood glucose. Um, a lot of people feel like their diet, like, well, I'm on meds now, so I'm going to just keep eating the way that I want to. The no. I hear a lot is my patients, if they're a diabetic, they're like, I'm not taking my blood sugar because I'm, I'm feeling well, or I know how I feel when my yeah. blood sugar is. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> you do that. The bush doesn't. <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, so let's talk about prediabetes for a second, because me working in pediatrics, mm-hmm. I, so starting at 11, okay. 11, you hear me like type two diabetes used to be, a disease of the old and the elderly, mm-hmm. we scream for it in kids wow. at 11. So many of our kids are obese, overweight, diabetic, like 11, 11, wow. 11 teenagers with type 2 diabetes because you want to eat Takis and hot fries all day. And now you're on insulin. And now you're on insulin, metformin. Some of like, the metformin make my stomach hurt. Like, come on now. Okay, so I think what's really good for people to know is that your glucose, right? Like your day to day. And I always tell um, when I talk to like the diabetics in my family, I'm like, don't be trying to cheat the system because we know. So there's two different tests. The first one is your glucose, like your point of care glucose. You prick your finger, you check your number. You had pancakes, rice, eggs, apple juice, potatoes, sausage, bacon for breakfast, and so your blood sugar is 275, right? And you're like, oh, don't like that. Um, So that's your point of care glucose. And then there's your hemoglobin A1C. Your hemoglobin A1C tells me the truth. I don't care what your glucose has been the last week. I don't care what your glucose was this morning in the office because you decided you weren't going to eat breakfast. Oh, yeah, I'm going to get this check. I'm not going to eat breakfast, so my sugar will be 95. Your hemoglobin A1C tells me how you've been managing your glucose over the last three to four months. So 
uh, a red blood cell lives for 120 days and it measures how well you've been managing your sugar for the last 120 days. Yeah. So you can try to lie to me if you want to, but what's your hemoglobin A1C say? So the, the point is to keep your hemoglobin A1C less than six. Um, anything in like the 5.5 to 5.8 range, it varies depending on what source you're checking, um, is pre-diabetic, which means you are at risk. You run the risk for developing diabetes. Um, and according to the CDC, there's 84 million American adults. We're not even talking kids, adults that are pre-diabetic. And 90% of them don't even know that they're pre-diabetic. They just out here eating, eating some more. Eating cakes. Yeah, so the biggest thing, like here are the risk factors. We're going to talk risk factors about diabetes. So if you have not, our challenge is for you to go, go to your primary care doctor, do your well visit. Because there's so many, we, I don't know why we don't believe in preventative care. Like I feel like as a, as a culture, we're like, ah, oh, I don't need to go get a checkup. And then when you get diabetes, well, these doctors don't care about me. I had diabetes, they didn't know. Well, they haven't seen you, sir, in 1,500 years. <laughs> they ain't seen you since your one-year well visit when your mom brought you <laughs> <laughs> they don't they don't care about me i had diabetes they didn't even know it well you don't come to the doctor so nobody knows until you're until you are in a diabetic coma because your blood sugar is 900 i have seen people with blood sugar in the 900s that and your toes amputated and now your toes cut off <laughs> you can't wear flip-flops no more that's done <laughs> <laughs> that's done <laughs> is it worth it or you can just go and see your doctor once a year that it's just once a year go see the doctor get your lab work done and do the stuff that they tell you to do that they recommend like we go to school I spent a lot of time in school Donna you spent a lot of time in school a lot of time in school oh, okay because I'm just I just like people come to me and, and with their google degree and I'm like no no, no, sis. I promise you, like, no. I've seen it. This is what I do every day. Yep, and all about making sure that you make those healthy lifestyle choices. Yeah. Like Thanksgiving's coming up. Mm -hmm. I'm about to cut up. I you am. about to cut up, Donna? I am too. I can't. I'm looking forward to our Thanksgiving dinner together. Like, we're going to have ham, greens, macaroni and cheese dressing like honey bun cake <laughs> honey bun cake yes donna i make these cakes y'all but that's we only eat like that once a year yeah and and that's the thing it's like it's okay to have balance thanksgiving dinner is my time to shine like yes come on but we do these sunday dinners and people think like sunday dinner has to be a thanksgiving spread and that's not, you know, it's it's little things that we can do to make these healthier choices. Like our Sunday dinners are usually like, oh, here's some baked chicken and some like bacon wrapped asparagus. Yeah. Delicious. It's not it's not like we're not eating well or we're not eating tasty food, but it's not chicken, macaroni and cheese, 
greens, green beans. Like, you can't do that every week. Got to make sure that you're choosing those foods that are low in fat and calories and high in fiber. Yep, low in carbs. Yep, low in carbs. And if you do eat carbs, you want to do whole grains, um, getting your fruits and veggies in. So, and I hate when a lot of people say, like, oh, like, I don't like veggies or it's boring. Like, a lot of people say I don't eat healthy because it's boring. What I've learned on my journey to eating healthy is there's different ways that you can make different yes. and taste good and do it like that. Honey, because you couldn't have told me two years ago that I would be eating Brussels sprouts. I tear them things up. Tear them up. Them Parmesan roasted Brussels sprouts. Tear them up. Do something to my soul. Tear them up. And we need so labels. Because we don't read labels. So that's a big part of it, yeah. too. Make sure that yeah. you're reading labels when you do go to the grocery store. Yeah. And what you're putting into your body. Man, look, read the labels and read the treadmill. So I get on the treadmill, and I know how much I dislike it. And I know it takes me a certain amount of effort to hit a certain amount of calories. And then for me to pick up a Snicker, and it's the same calories that I burned this morning, is this Snicker worth it? Is this Snicker worth me? I know it takes me you know, an hour to burn 400 calories. Is this nigger worth an hour of my time? Nope. Not at all. So we put it down. We do need to read labels. We absolutely do. So here are some risk factors of you being pre-diabetic. If you're overweight, you're over 45, if you have a parent, brother, sister that has type 2 diabetes, if you're not being physically active three times a week, you don't have to go to the gym every day. Just Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Or you can, and a lot of people say, oh, I don't have a gym membership. Do something at home. It's a lot of videos. Yeah, YouTube, YouTube, YouTube. Um, if you've ever been pregnant and you've had gestational diabetes, um, and when my mom was pregnant with my sister, she did, um, and then later developed diabetes. So that, like, when she got gestational diabetes, that increased her risk of getting or becoming diabetic later in life. Um, and if you've ever given birth to a baby who weighed more than nine pounds, and my sister was over nine, <laughs> she was nine pounds, one ounce, she was. Um, and if you have polycystic ovary um, syndrome, of course, race is a factor, huh? Who would have guessed? African-Americans at the top of the list, then um, Latina, the Latino community, American Indians, and, um, Pacific Islanders and some Asian Americans. I know, especially minorities, we're definitely high in diabetes and mm -hmm. taking for granted. So we definitely need to make sure that you're going to your doctor, getting yep. those labs done. And if you are at risk to becoming a diabetic and you're in that pre-diabetes pre stage, just making sure that you're taking care of your body. There is a sign that um, I see a lot in clinic, and when I talk to the parents about it, they have no idea. And I don't know if you know, I can't quite pronounce this, so I don't want to botch it. So I'm just going to say, okay. um, I know it's like, I'm not going to try to pronounce it, but it's like acrothinus nigricans or something like that. Okay. It basically, have you ever seen somebody and the back of their neck is like super black and it's not dirt? Yeah. It's super black. It's not dirt. Because people are always like, I thought their neck was dirty. First of all, why would you bring your kid into my office with their neck dirty? That's what you thought this was. <laughs> but sometimes, most people have it around the back of their necks, but they can have it. It's usually at the base of the neck. 
and it's like a very like hyper pigmented so like super dark mm-hmm. um and it, the skin kind of looks thicker on the back of their neck okay that's a sign of diabetes wow I didn't know that yeah that's a sign of diabetes and so I'll tell the parent because I will send the kid to get labs done before 11 if I notice that they have that thickening and that black you know that blackening or that hyperpigmentation happening around their neck I'll be like hey this is what I noticed this is what this is caused by and you know just to be on the safe side let's go ahead and do the lab test to screen and make sure that we're not missing anything Mm -hmm. wow but people so just just so people know and we get it out there it's not dirt um and it's not from the sun I get that a lot too I thought I just need more sunscreen nope (laughs) it's your body's way of telling us like hey something is not right here yeah definitely listening to your body yeah so again go out please go get your hemoglobin a1c checked we don't really care about your your regular glucose because you can lie you can you can eat breakfast before you go and it's going to be high or you can be like you know what i'm not going to eat all day until i get my sugar checked trying to lie to your doctors but there's a second backup test and we know better honey we're here for that we're here for y'all trying to fake us out no but, but your hemoglobin a1c is 11 so Mm-mm. What Mari say? Um, the the test to prove that is a lie. <laughs> that is a lie. <laughs> you lie, sir. Why do you lie to me? <laughs> oh man. So yeah. So we will continue to explore all these different aspects of diabetes as the month continues. I think it's fitting that it's in November because all of us are going to be so gluttonous on November twenty fourth and eat so many carbs like people don't understand like there's a good balance of carbs i love me some carbs though carbs yeah. bless they are blessed so good. I even god like food. jesus broke the bread he didn't break, <laughs> he didn't break the broccoli <laughs> he broke the bread and and they ate it and it was good <laughs> but there's still a balance for everything mm-hmm. so you know you i don't there are a lot of diets that promote like removing carbs, but even like you need your body needs carbohydrates at a decent level, not an overload. That's why people get the itis because your body's in carb overload for real. It literally does something to your brain where you feel weighted down, it slows everything down, and you're tired. And we call it the itis, but it's really your body like, hey, you fed me way too many carbs and I'm sick. You're carb sick. Slow down. It's like being drunk on carbs. That's what the itis is. It is carb carbohydrate alcoholism. <laughs> okay, so switching gears, let's talk about some health wins. Have you had any health wins personally this week, Donna? Personally, health wins. Hmm. Well, for me at my job, as you know, I'm a health coach, so Something that I, a project that I have been working on with my job is medication adherence, making sure that if a patient was prescribed medication um, and they didn't get their medications refill, calling them, trying to see like, hey, what's going on? Why aren't you taking your medications? Um, So I actually had a patient um, who was on metformin, diabetes medication, Um, I noticed that uh, it was time for her to get her medication refilled, her metformin. 
Um, so I called the pharmacy. I was like, hey, does this patient have any refills for metformin on file? They was like, yeah. I was like, um, okay, they're like, do you want us to refill it? So I was like, yeah, you can refill it. So I called the patient, kept calling her, never could get in contact with her. Finally, she called me back and I was like, hey, um, I called your pharmacy. I noticed that you didn't get your metformin refilled. And she was like, um, no, I still have medication left. And I'm like, hmm, you still have medication left. So she got a 90-day supply. And I think she got her 90-day supply in July, September, October, which would have made her due for her medications again the in October. So I was just like, well, you're due for your medication. She was like, no, I have a half a bottle left. I was like, well, how are you supposed to be taking your medication? She was like, I've been cutting the pills in half and taking them half. Why? So then we found out that she wasn't taking her medication right. And then so we got her into her doctor's office, found out that her, um, her, uh, blood glucose level was really high she wasn't taking the medications right so that was really big for me to kind of catch that and it made me realize why why my job is so important and why I'm here to catch things like that so I was able to catch that make sure she got her medication do patient education with her letting her know that hey if you don't understand how you take take your medications a you need to talk to your PCP and A, before you leave the pharmacy, make sure that if you don't understand how you're taking medication, make sure that you're asking the pharmacist because that's what they're here for. So can let you start start with, can A be like, like read, read the bottle? Because huh? I said A needs to be read the bottle. Like, yeah, a, read the bottle because we put the instructions on the bottle. Yeah. Like I write scripts. <laughs> the instructions are on the bottle. <laughs> so that Let's start with that part. And then... <laughs> to do some patient education letting her know get her back into the primary care office but it really just made me sit and think like a lot of times my job is so overwhelming because I'm dealing with so many patients but at the end of the day it's like knowing that hey I'm really making a difference and you know I caught something that was very important with her medication because who who knows what would have happened if she kept taking her medication wrong. So yes, that was, that's, dope. that's definitely a health win. Yeah, that was a win. That's a win. Look at you. Dope. Educator of the masses. I love it. So what wins did you have? Um, I've been drinking more water. Let's just keep it simple. Like when I tell you, look, like I have this water right here. Y'all can't see it, but I have my water. <laughs> I have this water. Like I've been drinking more water. I used to really drink a ton, a ton of water and we quit buying sodas. And then, um, yeah. So <laughs> we have been cutting back. I'm slowly taking control of my health um, again, which, and I just think it's important for people to know, like, just because. I'm a pediatric nurse practitioner or you're a health coach. I feel, I feel like a lot of these people are like, it's so easy. It's not. I struggle. Let's keep it real. Like, I struggle. I want chocolate sometimes, or as my Gigi used to call them, Zuzus and Wham Whams. Like, every now and then, Zuzus and Wham Whams come calling my name. And you just have to, like, you have to resist. So, 
My health win this week is Charlotte has been drinking more water, honey. Okay. That's big. Definitely I've been drinking more water. And that's that. We're not even going to get deep with that. <laughs> I've been drinking more water this week. And it's amazing. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. If you guys have a health win that you want to share with us this week, make sure you hashtag your health is lit wins or your health is lit health wins in the group. Post it. We are here for it. Um, and we will definitely share some of your health wins in the group. If you have any news that you want us to cover, any help. Yeah. Send us stories. Like, come on, y'all. We're here for it. Send us stories. If you're not a part of our Facebook group, you need to be. Um, it's Facebook. It's, get on Facebook. Type in your health is lit. Um, we have our actual, like, business page. Y'all don't see Donna out here dancing, but she's, like, turning <laughs> your health is lit dance. <laughs> um, and then there's also a group. Um, or you can also go to the website. There's a link directly into the group. So feel free to join, share, add five, ten friends. Help us grow. Um, let's talk about some experiences this week or some health learning. So here's my experience that I had this week. It happened Monday. Okay. And it was there was a young gentleman who had a slew of health, like mental health issues, um, and he was like aggressive and like, I just have never, he was fine with me. I was able to redirect him, but he was like super aggressive with his mom. Long story short, y'all, this man, this boy hit his mama in my office and then we had to call the police. Um, here in Florida, we have something called the Baker Act. So if somebody is like mentally not sound, um, we can like involuntarily like get them to go get help. He had a long mental health history and had been off of his medication. And so I empathized a lot with that. I was able to talk to him and kind of like talk him down. I'm like, you're a young man. Like, you don't talk to our mom like that. Like, okay, I want you to apologize. And he would apologize, but then he would get triggered again. And it just was, it was, it was exhausting. But I think what tore me up was when the police came, it was no longer that they were going to Baker Act him. They decided that they were going to arrest him um, because he hit his mom. And it did something to me with, like, watching this. He was a kid. He wasn't, I mean, he was a, a young teenager. Uh, I definitely do not want to divulge in, like, HIPAA, like HIPAA stuff. But um, he was a kid. And to watch any kid of any age um, put in handcuffs and hauled off, particularly like a young black man, I think that's what what did it to me. Heartbreaking. Um, it like tore me up. It tore me up. So, I, I just it makes me more aware of like why our mental health is so important. Not that. I didn't know, right? Like we preach about mental health and self-care Sunday and making sure that you're taking care of yourself. But with these kids, like it's also important. And I think a lot of times, like these are some of those things that are like, you can't, like you can't spank that away. Something was wrong with him. Like, like he had issues that he needed to see, you know, seek professional help for. And so to know that he needed help and to know that he was, he was going like he was being punished for actions that he can't even really comprehend because he has he's mentally unstable 
it it blew my mind and um it was an experience it, it like it really was an experience and it it was a learning lesson and all my coworkers were so great in helping me and you know you know definitely like we were all trying to do what was best for him but Jesus like it, like the last image I have is them like walking away in handcuffs and it was so wow I mean, we definitely are lacking in the um, mental health yeah. realm, and I feel like with mental health that we definitely have a long, long way to go for we sure. We do. Oh, here's, so let's end on a positive note. So speaking of which, we have a really, really awesome um, young lady. Her name is Tiffany, not my sister Tiffany, but another Tiffany. Tiffany's just be blessing my life. Um <laughs> who is a mental health specialist who is very interested. We're in the works of kind of wrapping things up um, for her to become a contributor. So we will have a official Your Health is Lit. Um, she's a licensed mental health counselor, which I love. And she deals with like substance abuse. Like she's just dope. Um, and doing this, I have come in connection with so many dope people. Like, I love it. Like when Sophia Strother came on, like, she snatched my whole life. Like, I can't wait to talk to her about human trafficking because she snatched my whole life together. Amazing. I'm going to keep, next time I'm going to bring this one story that I've been following regarding um, some, a mental health issue. And it happened in Tampa. Oh. Um, so I've been following it. And her name is um, Khadija Morse. Yes, yes, yeah. And her son had some mental health issues. Um, something happened. I think he hit a father um and the they guy died yeah, he died um and his mom had told them that he needed help she begged for help they didn't listen to him they didn't listen to her um and then um went off someone died i think he hit someone i'm not really sure i have to keep digging into the story but now he's in jail and so now she's really fighting for her son because it's just like she begged for help and mm -hmm. she didn't get the help that she needed. And then we are lacking desperately in mental health. And I think they actually did beg her hat him or something like that, but they let him go, but she begged them not to let him go. So I'm looking into that. It's the really sad um, story. Maybe we can reach out to her and see if she'll be willing to come yeah, on. Sure. That, that um, because definitely like that hits home because because of what happened to me today, or uh, not today, it wasn't today, but it happened to me um, this week in the office, and um, it's like, dang, like, what could I have done differently? How could I, re you know, reacted differently? But I also, too, you know, also had to act in the best interest of the patient and his mom, like, had he went home with his mama, like, he was, he, she was looking at the hands like and it wouldn't be safe and I couldn't in good conscience to him home with his mama just for everybody's safety so yeah it was one of the hardest things I ever had to do y'all thanks well it seems like that you did a good job and you handled thanks, it thanks boo so let's end on a positive note um this is nothing to do with health but everything to do with democracy so we are not very pleased here in Florida with our uh, <laughs> with our voting our election results. <laughs> but um, 
lots of people were talking about how, you know, we wanted Andrew Gillum to win and he didn't. Um, and everybody was really down and depressed about that. But what we did do in Florida, that is the bomb.com, is um, we passed the law to, to restore the rights for felons um, who weren't um, who weren't convicted of like sexual or murderous acts for them to vote. So if you've served your time, that restored the rights, I want to say 1.4 million, million, 1.4 million people can now vote. And most of those people, y'all know we are, we are jailed at, at disproportionate rates. A lot of those people are probably African Americans who have regained their ability to come out and vote and to have their voices heard because they've paid their debts to society and I think that is so amazing so in a way it's a health win because we vote on different legislation and all of that but I just think it's dope that we did that I like I personally wrote like like read like you know read up on it then I saw it at the polls and I was like yep and then for it to be like we did it like it's so amazing (laughs) we did it so yeah we didn't we didn't win in every aspect but it's the it's the the it's not that it's a smaller win because it's really actually a really huge win but a win we'll be seeing Andrew Gilliam oh no he's gonna be um my friend's son said he's gonna be the next president after he is (laughs) right now and he's the mayor of Tallahassee come through Tallahassee (laughs) come through now All right, guys, so we are going to wrap up. Donna, anything that you want to say to our listeners? Have an awesome week. Yes, yes. We will be one of our really good friends is getting married this weekend. So we will be, I'm so excited. Um, We will be in Miami this weekend celebrating love and it's just going to be amazing. So we hope you guys have a great week. Don't forget, you can always email us, admin, A-D-M-I-N, at yourhealthislit.com. The Contact Us page on our website. You can post in the group. And give us your feedback on this week's episode. We are so excited to hear what you guys think. And we will talk to you guys next week.